Well, good morning. <clears throat> and to our, uh, to our members who are tuning in, you'll be happy to know that Steve is definitely not turning the heat on at this point in time in our church history. So while I might be seeing my breath up here, uh, I hope you are warm uh, and comfortable in your place of residence. This morning we are looking at uh, the book of Mark. We'll be in chapter 12, verses 28 to 34, as we continue in our study of Mark, uh, but specifically as we enter into Holy Week, which this is Palm Sunday, as you've heard already. Um, this begins um, our Holy Week as we uh, look for uh, Easter next Sunday. Uh, but for our reading, uh, we'll begin in verse 28 of Mark chapter 12. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's word. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love the Lord. Or you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You've truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength. And to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Verse 34, and when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray and ask God to teach us his word this morning. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your word, and we thank you for its truth. And we ask now that you would teach us, that you would show us um, what it means and help us to see you in the midst of that during this time. Uh, be with us now, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the word need is a very interesting word today, as you might uh, agree. Um, what are some of the things that you've needed uh, this week, uh, this third week of quarantine here in Fort Worth for us. Uh, maybe it's just started for you where you are. Um, a couple of things, both personally, but also things that I've heard. Um, you know, I, I, I've needed Jesus for sure to come back this week, any day. Any day would be good. Just come back, please. Um, I've needed to get in my car, and I've heard this from several people as well, and just drive around my neighborhood for no reason other than I just need 10 minutes by myself, and I do love my family. Um, I've needed more bandwidth in my home uh, because uh, Wi-Fi is everything right now, and we can't stop Netflix or it's going to be a real, real, uh, real problem in our house. Um, those are just some of the things that I've needed this past week. And I pray in the coming weeks, honestly, as we move into uh, what is a more critical time for this uh, disease, that I can look back and I can actually remember when I got in my car and drove around my house four or five times, that that was the worst that it got. But need is a very interesting word right now. 
And from our perspective and what, what, what real needs are today, like medical masks and sanitizer and a vaccine, please, all right, it's hard to enter into a need like the one we come across in our passage this morning and to give it our due attention because of our circumstances. So to, be, to be honest, personally, I, and I've talked with, with many who are um, either looking for work, who are um, concerned and, and, and very rightfully so fearful of, of what's going to happen in the coming weeks or months. Many uh, employees trying to fill payrolls for their businesses or just trying to figure out application processes for a stimulus bill, whatever it is, all those are real needs and concerns for many right now. And it has been hard for me to connect the dots between what to say here to you. And I just want to be honest about that this morning. Because in our passage, Jesus meets a scribe who has a need. Now, it's not his ultimate need, as we'll see, but he has a need. He's actually trying to trap Jesus with a question, but his need as a scribe is to know which commandment is the best, like which is the most essential. And I've got to be honest with you, that wasn't on my list this week. I, I never woke up once needing or asking uh, which commandment is the best, is the most essential. Maybe I should have, I don't know. But I did wake up this morning needing what the scribe ultimately needs. And that is to meet with Jesus and to receive the rest that he offers me and himself as the fulfillment of this law. And that is actually challenging in and of itself right now, too, to want to meet with Jesus, even though I need him. So whether it's rest from the law, as we'll look at in this passage, or rest from the weariness and confusion of our present circumstances today, I need to see Jesus this morning, pure and simple. And I suspect that you do as well. To see him, to receive the rest that he truly offers all of us. To rejoice in him this Palm Sunday as he rides into Jerusalem to save his people. So let's look briefly at this passage with our time and its three transitions. That is the question that the scribe offers Jesus, Jesus' response to that question, and then the scribe's response to Jesus. Um, this dialogue is one, just a little context of, 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 of its placement in Mark, is one of five in this section from the Sanhedrin, which the Sanhedrin was made up of Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, uh, in their attempt to come and, and trap Jesus with a question or catch him saying uh, that he is God or somehow above the law uh, in that way. Before this uh, interaction with the scribe, the Sadducees are talking to Jesus about resurrection, which they don't believe in. And it's in the midst of this that a scribe walks up and asks Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? So let's start there. What is the scribe really asking Jesus? The scribe is asking, which commandment is most essential? For the scribe, the law is life. Scribes devoted themselves to, be, to breaking down the law, what's essential, what's not. Um, of the whole law, you have different strands and categories. You have civil and ceremonial and you have moral. Within that, they would break it down further into heavier, weightier uh, laws that required more of you. Um, lighter laws that required other things. Um, the Sanhedrin, as I mentioned earlier, recognized over 600 of these laws. 
And so uh, the scribe is simply asking, when you boil it all down, like when you, when you take all of this and you boil it all down, which one supersedes all the others? And it's a good question, and it's worth our time actually to stop for a second and ask, why is this a good question? Why is this an important question at that? And it's important to the scribe, at least, for two reasons. One, the law is a good thing. Law is good, and it's good because it reveals and it is the revealed character of God. In God's law, we learn what God loves, and we learn what he doesn't love. In God's law, we learn who God is. The law is good. But second, the law tells us what God requires of us. To ask which commandment then is most important is to ask what, at its very core, does God want me to do? And it's a good question. As a scribe, as I said, this is life for, for him, for them. There's nothing better or higher than to know God's law and to try to live by it, to say it a different way, to ignore the law, to not care about God's law, would be to act as though this were his world to live in, the scribes, and thus uh, to live by his own rules. A friend illustrates this idea well by talking about uh, an experience he had going to see U2 in concert at one point in time. And at this concert uh, with you two, you know, if you're going to see you two, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm going to I'm going to pay X amount of dollars to go live in Bono's world and I'm going to like it. That's what you're doing when you say you're going to a YouTube concert at this particular concert. My, my friend says that that Bono is asking the crowd to sing the song Scarlet, which is an older song um, that has one word, rejoice. And as he's asking the crowd to sing it, he says, he, he says, the guy in front of him, this guy stands up and he says, I'll sing when you play something I like. <laughs> what, who says that at a U2 concert you know, of all places? But it's a pretty arrogant statement, if you, if you would agree. Yes, you've paid your ticket. You're at their concert. You're listening to their songs and this guy is complaining and telling them what to do. No, 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 no. Not, not in Bono's world. Um, I don't know what happened uh, after this, but I would be 100% fine if security came and escorted this guy out of the arena. That's just me, though. Point being, when you go to a U2 concert, you are in Bono's world and you play by Bono's rules. If he wants to sing Scarlet, we're going to sing Scarlet and we're going to like it. The same is true, in one sense, for the law of God for this scribe. And really for all believers, if we want to go further with it. The law is God saying this about himself. This is my world. These are my songs. And here's what I want you to sing. And, you know, the beautiful thing about this is that when we actually do sing God, sing God's songs, when we, when we do live out his law, life is good. And it's not just good for us, it's good for our neighbor, as we'll see. But this, there is nothing better or higher than to know God's law and to try to live by it. This is, this is what the scribe wants to do. And this is why his question is a good one. This is why it's an important question, because the law is good. It tells us who God is, and it tells us what God requires and how we are to live in his world. But if there are over 600 laws that, San, that the Sanhedrin recognizes, well, that gets overwhelming. Questions of am I doing what God in, in the law is requiring or asking of me come up, 
How do I know becomes another question. And all of a sudden, this law becomes a burden to us. If you had a best friend or a spouse or, or a family member, uh, right? And all you wanted to know was how you could please that person or make them happy. But you were never able to know what that was. That would be a burden for you. But if we could whittle it all down, right? If my spouse could just tell me the one thing, right? If we could whittle it all down to one commandment and put all of our efforts into that one commandment, now we're getting somewhere. And this is what the scribe is asking. What's essential Jesus? So this is what he asks. Well, what does Jesus say? And this takes us to verses 29 to 31. Jesus gives this man two answers in the Gives him two answers, but it's really one. The first is from Deuteronomy 6, which is known as the Shema or hear. Hear, O Israel. And the second comes from Leviticus 19.18, which reads, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the Shema, which comes from Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 6, says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. The Jews, even to this day, would recite the Shema first thing in the morning. The Shema is Israel's basic declaration of faith. The point of this commandment, according to one commentary, is to be totally, unreservedly committed to God with one's entire being. The terms heart, soul, and mind are all roughly equivalent, but they're worth defining. The heart or cardio is the center of human thinking and emotion. The soul or psyche or suke is the spirit, right? It's the source of desires and feelings. And the mind or new signals thinking, intelligence, and understanding. Jesus adds strength in his answer here, which points to energy and power or will. And so the point being is regardless of how one breaks down the South, all of it, all of it must be what? Totally, unreservedly committed to God. The entire being. Emotions, intellect, desires, will. All of it. In fact, each of the commandments in the Shema is prefaced with the preposition X, meaning from the source of. So which means that we are to love God, not just with our hearts, which is what your translation probably says, but from our hearts. Ex cardio, from our soul, soul, ex suke. That's what the Shema says. So as a declaration of faith, when you woke up in the morning and you recited the Shema, you were saying that today I will be totally unreservedly committed to God with my whole entire being, whether I'm on vacation or whether it's the third week of quarantine. Now, if Jesus stopped here, the scribe would probably be happy. Who doesn't like the Shema? But Jesus will go the extra mile, no pun intended, and he will give us another. And he will give us Leviticus 19, 18. Verse 31. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Here's what Jesus does by adding neighbor love to the Shema. He gives our love for God a proper and right expression. That is, you can't love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your, all your strength, if there is no active and tangible expression like loving your neighbor. 
You can't love God in your head is another way to put that. The scribe would know this. All of the law, generally speaking, found its expression in how it cared for neighbor because love of God must be expressed somewhere. For example, in Deuteronomy 22, there is a law requiring that when you build a house, you must put a fence on the roof. Now, I would like to see the government come in and tell Texans that they must put a fence on their roof. But why? To protect your neighbor. People spent lots of time on their roofs. They socialized. They often slept up there, too. Well, doing that increases the risk of somebody falling off or rolling off, for that matter. And the law of God said, the law of God says, you've got to think about that. Right? You're responsible for that. You've got to care about your neighbor first. And when we build that fence to care about that neighbor, you're actually loving God. Again, you can't love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind, without an expression, without a place for it to land, a tangible place like loving your neighbor. I can say that I love my wife on our wedding day with all of my heart, soul, strength, whatever. But what must happen to both confirm and to validate that love? I must stay committed to her until death us do part. Now, it's more than just staying together, but the point is our love must express itself somewhere. This is what Jesus is saying by adding Leviticus 19.18 to the Shema. Listen to what James Edwards writes here about this. For Jesus, the requirements of the Shema cannot be fulfilled in ritual or sacrifice, but in unfeigned love of God. Holy and genuinely, the Shema must be complemented by the love of neighbor. When Jesus brings these two passages together, he is not quoting another tradition or another rabbi who put these together at some other point in time. At the same time, he's not even creating a new commandment. Let's be clear about that. Rather, the commandment to love God and to love neighbor is the foundation of which all other commandments rest. This is why it is the greatest or the most essential. If we are grading Jesus, he gets an A++ here. At least the scribe agrees. And this gets to the last transition in this dialogue. How does the scribe respond to Jesus' answer? Well, he's clearly pleased, as you notice there in verse 32. What's surprising is his acknowledgement, though, that love of God expressed in loving others is more important than burnt offerings and sacrifices. It's surprising because that type of sacrifice, which was a whole burnt offering to God, it was not something that the people took uh, part in or participated. It was his Right, which was an important aspect of the law. Like this is this is sacred, holy temple stuff here that the scribe is 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 saying is not as important as love of neighbor. Many believe that he is probably quoting Hosea six six, which which says, "I desire." The Lord says in Hosea, "I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice." The knowledge of God. Rather than burnt offerings. Hosea writes that in a time when Israel's hearts were far from loving God. They were worshiping all kinds of gods. But they thought as long as we offer sacrifices, God will be fine. No, God wants his people 
to what? To be totally, unreservedly committed to him with their entire being. And the scribe agrees. God wants us to sing his songs. Because when we do, life is not just good for me or for you. It's good for our neighbor. It's good for everybody. Don't steal is good for my neighbor. Don't lie is good for my neighbor. Don't murder is good for my neighbor. This is what happens when we as a people begin to be totally unreservedly committed to God with our whole entire being, which means I can then only love my neighbor as I'm supposed to, according to Jesus, if I first love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and will. Love of God always precedes love of neighbor in this way. And the scribe agrees. So all is well, right? All is well. Jesus passed the test. Right? The scribe got what he asked for. We know what, which law is most important, which is essential. And if there were like motives to trap Jesus here, they're gone by the time this is over. Jesus ends this dialogue with the scribe saying in verse 30, 34, when Jesus saw that he, the scribe, answered wisely, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. But here's my question for us this morning. If the scribe got what he was looking for in knowing which of God's laws is the most essential, the most important, then why does Jesus say to this man that he is not far from the kingdom of God? Did you catch that? I mean, what, why does he not say, congratulations, like you've arrived, you've got it. Why does he not say, you're, all is well. Instead, Jesus says, you're close. You're not far. Why? For Jesus to say to the scribe, you're not far, implies that something else is required. In other words, he, like all of us, is still an outsider at this point. An outsider to the kingdom of God, because what is required, is not just knowing, right? The law and what's essential, but it's fulfilling it. That's what's required. That's what's needed. That is the law itself needs a heart that is totally unreservedly committed to God with his whole being. As the scribe himself puts the greatest commandment to work in his life in the coming days, he is going to inevitably come up short. The unrest he felt before he might have come to Jesus with this question will still be there. The blow up with his neighbor will need to be forgiven. The lack of patience with his spouse will need a sacrifice. The motives and the desires of his own heart will need to be made what? White as snow. His willpower will not be enough. And as a result, the law that he loves so much will become a burden of all burdens to him. The law needs a heart that is totally unreservedly committed to God with its whole being. I didn't have that this week, but I still needed it. But thankfully, what Palm Sunday Sunday marks for the church is that the final ride in for Jesus 
where his earthly ministry will come to an end, where he will hang between two criminals on a cross. And he'll do this so that outsiders like the scribe, outsiders like you and me, whose hearts are not totally unreservedly committed to God, can become insiders, can find forgiveness, can be made citizens of this kingdom, can be made heirs to this kingdom. To put it in another way, Jesus comes to his people today, like this scribe, so that the burden, the burden of not measuring up might be met with grace. So that his work might truly be our rest. In the coming days, Jesus will become all, all that pleases God as the perfect fulfillment of of God's law and his death will be the expression of that love poured out for you, his neighbor. Why? Because he loved you. And as John Stott writes here, because Jesus loved you, he came after you. He pursued you even to the desolate anguish of the cross, which he bore our sins, guilt, judgment, and death. It is hard or it takes, as Stott writes, a hard, stony heart to remain unmoved by love like that. Mm, excuse me. So this morning, there is much that makes us weary. There is, there is much that has us concerned and anxious. There is much that brings unrest. But in Jesus, God truly gives us a new song to sing today. In Jesus, he gives us a new script, as it were for our own hearts, for our own minds, for our own bodies, that says, as Jesus tells us, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, I will, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. If Jesus has met our most pressing need today in fulfilling what God requires from all of us, then friends, it is good and it is right for us to receive that, receive what he has done and rest in it above anything else. Tomorrow will bring its own problems, but today we sing Hosanna to our king or save us, which is exactly what he has come to do. Two questions for application for you to think of. How would looking at Jesus today, but for sure, for certain, over this coming week as we head into Easter, how would looking at Jesus over this coming week cause your heart to move towards God and neighbor? Which is the purpose of the law to begin with. For the scribe, moving towards God, right, would look like repenting, would look like believing in Jesus as the Son of God, which, which thousands are going to do in Jerusalem upon Jesus' resurrection. In other words, belief in, for the scribe will close the distance from not far off to citizen. What would looking at Jesus over this coming week cause your heart to do? How would it cause you to move towards him and neighbor? Could it be rest for you, real rest for you in a time of anxiety and worry? Could looking at Jesus this week, uh, could it melt away built up cynicism and apathy in your own heart 
as you look at and see his love for you at this time? Could it remind you who is really in control in a time of uncertainty as Jesus himself hands his life over as a ransom for all of us? How would looking at Jesus over this coming week cause your heart to move towards God and others? Which is what the law, the purpose of the law to begin with. Because here's what happens this week. Here's what happens as we approach Easter Sunday. Jesus gives you a new record. A record that says this, Ryan, you have been totally unreservedly committed to God with your entire being. Now, that is not true. That did not happen this week, right? Quarantine or no quarantine. But because of Jesus, that's the verdict, friends. And while viruses and economies come and go, that stays the same for eternity. This is the song God has for us to sing in Jesus today. May our hearts receive it, find rest in it, and rejoice in it. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this text. We thank you for the law that you have given us. We thank you most of all, though, for Jesus who comes and fulfills that law for us by loving us with a heart that we don't have and loving you with a heart that we don't have. And this is what he does for us. I pray that in the coming week as we prepare our hearts for Easter, as we see Jesus ride into Jerusalem one last time to give his life, to offer himself as a sacrifice for many, Lord, that our hearts would break, would see that love and break and desire and want to be uh, in the midst of that. Lord, would we believe in ways that we haven't? Would we uh, feel uh, his presence and rest in ways that we haven't? Um, would, he, would you meet with your people at this time, especially given our circumstances in ways that we need to meet with you? Would you do this for your glory alone, we pray.